0: This evening, but verse number 26 of Acts chapter eight, if you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come down to Jerusalem for to worship, and was returning and was sitting in his chariot red, sitting in his chariot red, Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the report, or the prophet Isaiah, 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 or Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me. He desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture where, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep, asleep, a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb done before shears. So open not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or some other man. Oh, man, I love verse number 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believe us with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. When they were coming out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called, called away Philip, just disappeared, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Assetoss, In the passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, just for the sweet spirit and the sweet service so far this morning. God, we've just rejoiced in your goodness and your grace. Lord, we know this morning that we are undeserving. God, half the time, Lord, we're unwilling. But Lord, you still love us and you care for us. We ask you, Lord, this morning that you just search our hearts. God, work within our hearts this morning that which we most desperately need this morning. Lord, we thank you for this week of camp that we had. But Lord, I'm so grateful this morning, Lord, that spirit didn't stay at Camp Jackson. Lord, it's found itself in your house this morning. Lord, it's because you're here. When the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. God, we've just rejoiced in your goodness this morning. I pray, Lord, you take the word of God, use it as, as you desire to use it this morning. Speak to hearts directly and clearly this morning. God, I ask it you in me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. God, make preaching what you desire, design it to be this morning. Lord, I thank you this morning, God, for being so good to us. And Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, God, they've never done what this eunuch man did. And I pray, Lord, you'd save them by your grace and change their life for here and for all of eternity. Lord, we love and we thank you. Be with Miss Holly and Children's Church as well. Thank you. God, for that faithful servant God just back there just sharing and teaching the word of God to them. God, it's taken root, it's taken hold. And I thank you for that this morning. Well, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Acts chapter number eight is actually, I would not say that's where we're introduced to Philip, but that's where we pick up Philip after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's mentioned there in the beginning of Acts as well, but Philip was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He followed the Lord, and so Philip had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ as he was on planet Earth, as he was walking in his earthly ministry. And here's the thing, Philip was a man who knew the scriptures because twice that we are introduced to him twice that we are shown him here in Acts and back in the book of John he pinpointed the work of the Lord he pinpointed what God was doing when the scriptures were brought up you go to John chapter 1 you don't have to turn it this morning but John chapter 1 verse number 45 Philip goes to Nathaniel and he says Nathaniel we found the one that Moses has written about we found the one that was prophesied about years ago and centuries ago the one that Moses like the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness, the one that is pictured in the book of Genesis and Exodus and down through the law and down through the Old Testament, Philip goes to Nathanael and says, he is here. The fact that Philip knew the scriptures, he was able to pinpoint the Lord. But not just that, he was able to see the Lord work. John chapter number six, when Jesus looks out at the multitude and says, we have to feed these people, he goes to Philip and says, Philip, go by some bread. And there, Philip has to come to the realization in the recognition that he cannot do this by himself. He said, Lord, what is so much, what is so little amongst so many, Lord? And he watches the Lord with five loaves and two fish make that miracle dish and feed all of those people. So Philip knew who the Lord was. He had seen the Lord work, but he had also been taught by the Lord. John chapter number 14, we talked about it a few weeks ago here, uh, on Sunday morning where he told the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Matter of fact, that was Father's Day's message this year. And he was talking to Philip, and he said, Philip, you've seen the Father. And Philip goes, well, Lord, if you point them out to me, then I'll be gladly to recognize them. That's where Jesus brings in that truth of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, now Christ has died, he's risen again and now he's ascended up into heaven. The book of Acts, the early church begins to do wonderful works and mighty works and we see the day of Pentecost where those thousands upon thousands were saved by the grace of God. But notice how Acts chapter number eight, verse number one, how this book opens up and says, and Saul was consenting unto his death and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and he made great lamentation over him. And as Saul, as for Saul, he made great havoc or made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women committed to them to prison. Therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. What always amazed me as you study church history as you study those men and women who have come on before us, that the world always has the same idea, the same philosophy. If we scatter them, if we separate them, if we make them go in opposite direction, this thing's going to fall apart. God will no longer be able to do what he wants to do. But here's the thing, every time they scatter the church, every time they scatter believers to the uttermost parts of the world, they take the gospel with them and they preach where they're headed to and they preach where they go to. In essence, what they're trying to do to weaken the church, God uses the strength of the church. And God builds the church for those things. But we see verses one through four, there was a great persecution. But notice this, there was also a great experience. Look at verse number five. Then Philip went down into the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. I was studying that this morning and getting these things prepared. I said, why did Philip go to Samaria? It could have been the fact that he was following the Lord's example when Jesus said himself, I must needs go through Samaria. Philip's been there. He watched the Lord work in John chapter number 4 and saved that lady whom he found at the well and changed her life. He's seen what Jesus had done in Samaria. But he also knew Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul. But he, at this time, he knew Saul was a good Jew. He lived by the law. He had all that understanding and all that knowledge. But he also knew that Saul, being a good Jew, would never go to Samaria. He wouldn't pass through there. He wouldn't go down that way. Our history tells us and Bible tells us that there was that issue between the Jews of Israel and Jerusalem and the Jews of Samaria. They looked down upon them. They didn't care about them as if they were no good. And here goes Philip. He said, I'll go where religion won't. I'll go where they're too scared to go. I'll go where I know Saul won't show up. He said, but I ain't going empty handed. He said, what it said in verse number five, he said he went down to Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. Can I say this morning, religion will fall short Man's standards and man's dictions will fall short this morning. There's a place that religion can't go. But can I say this morning, there isn't a single place under heaven this morning where if there's a man or a woman, if there's a living being, the gospel can get to where they are this morning. I'm glad religion couldn't go, religion wouldn't go down to the Samaria, but thanks be to God through the gospel, the Savior passed by one more time. Amen. Philip goes down, the Bible says he preaches Christ to them. He tells them about the Lord. He t- about Jesus, what Jesus had done, and there's a great experience. Look at verse number six. And the people with one accord gave heed unto the things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. It's amazing. Philip shows up in Samaria with the gospel. Verse number seven tells us it cleaned them up. So there's unclean spirits that were cast out and came out of those that were possessed. There's also miracles done. They watched as men who couldn't walk began to walk. Those that were taken with a palsy and were lame were healed. The gospel comes in and things begin to happen. They begin to hear and God begins to move. Look at verse number eight. For there was great joy in the city. It changed the atmosphere of the city. Can I say this morning when the gospels preached and it's heated it changes everything it changes everything this morning it changes not just the atmosphere of the church but it changes the atmosphere of the home it changes the atmosphere of your everyday life when the gospel is heard and heated and you watch god work it changes everything but notice verse number 9 through 13 there was a great salvation and there in samaria there was a man by the name of simon not the apostle simon but a man from Samaria named Simon who was, who was in essence, put on a pedestal and said, this man, notice what the Bible says, it doesn't have the power of God, but look what it says right there in verse 1. This man is the great power of God. They believe that man in his essence, that man in his being, that man in his flesh, had all the power, of, he was the power of God. Well, they were wrong. And Simon's fixing to find out he was wrong. But because he had this appearance about him, this mysterious aura around him, they said he must be the power of God. He must be a spiritual man. He must know the Lord. But I like uh, uh, Philip starts preaching the gospel and he starts preaching to them and telling them that Jesus had to come and he preaches about the kingdom of God and he preaches about Jesus Christ and they get start getting saved and saved and saved. Look at verse number 13. And then Simon himself believed also. This man who they all all, all you know, they all honored and lifted up because he had this appearance of spirituality behind them. But he was nothing more than just another man. He was nothing more, he was just using trickery and different things to convince these people he was something that he wasn't. He couldn't hold it no more. He said, I don't have, I'm not the power of God. I don't have what you think I have. The Bible says in verse number 13, he believed also and was baptized. I, I believe that shook that town to the core. It's this man who was, you know, in society was up and high. He bows down and asks the Lord to save him. They said, my goodness, it's got to be real. I like Simon. Simon had everybody following him. Simon gets saved and said, I'm going to follow you, Philip. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. And he follows Philip and Philip continues to preach and all that. And then we get down to verse number 26 this morning. You could stop and say this morning, if you ask Philip, Philip, verses one through 13, uh, how was that, Philip? He'd say, man, it was good. It was good. God used me. I watched God work. God saved Simon. God turned Samaria upside down with the gospel. He kept me safe from the persecution. He could say, man, that was good. Can I say this morning, if you were to ask me, how did camp go, preacher? My mom was in the service this morning. I'm descriptive words about experiences I'm not good at. Ask her about my education days when I was in high school and middle school. She'd come and say, how was school? It was good. It was good. <laughs> that was it. That, that surmised my eight-hour day at school. It was good. What'd you do? It was good. What class did you have? It was good. 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 But if you ask me about camp this week, and I'm not trying to downplay it this morning, but I can't put into words all that God did this week. But I'll say this, it was good. Man, it was good. My, my bed felt real good last night. My shower, whew, it hit the spot. But I'd gladly, I'd gladly go back and do it all over again. Because man. It was good. And I think if you ask Philip right here in, in chapter number eight, verses one through thirteen, even with everything going on, he'd say, "Man, it was good. Boy, you should have seen Simon come to the Lord, acknowledge his sin, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ." He said, "You should have seen that city that had no hope. They they've always been looked down upon. They've always been put down. And I brought the gospel where a religion couldn't come and a religion wouldn't go. And they trusted Christ and they got great joy and they got excited. Oh, you should have been there. It was good." But notice this, he could have easily said it was good, but the Lord had more for him. He had more for Philip to do. Camp was good. Church this morning's been good, but there's more. There's more to do this morning. Every Christian can can move on from the good time correctly by noticing the following truth. I want you to notice, one, the obedience of Philip. Verse 26 this morning, it's been good, in essence, Philip's been in camp meeting. He's been in revival. There's great joy. There's great excitement. So much so. The Bible tells us that Simon and Peter and John, excuse me, not Simon, Peter and John come down into Samaria to see what in the world's going on. They don't believe that they can't fathom that the gospel's having that kind of impact in Samaria. They walk down there and they see what's going on and it, it just gets better and better. It gets gooder and gooder. It's moving, it's a wonderful, the Lord's helping people. In verse number 26, it's where me and you like to live. It's where me and you like to stay in our Christian walk, where there's excitement, where there's wonderful, powerful moving of God's uh, might in our life. But can I say we all have a verse 26 because God has more for us. It said, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, arise, go toward the south, Say, Ar- arise, go to, to the south into the way that go down from Jerusalem into Gaza. He, and he, he, don't, he don't even hide it from Philip. It's a desert. It's a de- Oh, Philip, I know you're hanging out in Samaria and it's wonderful and everybody's excited and, and Simon's following around saying, I've never seen this before. I can't think, I can't, I, I, so he's taking it all in. Don't you remember when he first got saved? He was trying to take it all in. He just, preacher, I'll be there even when we're not having church. I'm just excited, preacher. I want to be there. I want to do this. I want to do that. That's Simon. And God says, all right, Philip, time to go. It's time to leave. I was telling the campers Thursday night, I said, I'm having a hard time shutting this thing down. We was enjoying the goodness of God. And I say, sometimes the Lord will come to you and say, all right, it's time to go. It's time to move on. And the, the test isn't whether you believe him or not. The test is whether you're gonna be obedient or not. Notice there was a given command. The angel of the Lord spoke. Notice this. Well, how come, that's what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on the angel of the Lord to open up the skies and speak to me. You're waiting for the wrong thing. We've got the word of God this morning in it's completeness. That's all we need this morning, find the command from the word of God and obey it. But notice this, the command was operational. He said arise. See, even when it gets good, if we're not careful, the good will become comfortable. And when the good becomes comfortable, it, we become complacent. I've, I've known many, many Christians who have made it their goal to travel from camp meeting to camp meeting to camp meeting to camp meeting because they're chasing an the emotion, they're chasing the excitement, and I'm grateful for exciting services. But sometimes God's got to take you to the desert because that's where He needs you at. That's where He wants you to learn at. Notice the command was operation arise. God is always going to tell me and you to do something. His commands always have an action attached to them. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel itself is a command. Pray without ceasing. Study to show thyself approved. God's commands always have an action tied to them. Phillips was arise. Get up! It was also directional. Go toward. There it is. There it is, Mr. Titus. Toward. Toward. Brother, Brother Titus, I call all the boys the same name. But Brother Titus does a great job of explaining that. Notice this God's command either directs us toward him or toward others. And when we go towards others and we go towards him, they go hand in hand there. You follow him, he'll be headed towards others. Notice this command was directional, go toward. Notice the command was obeyed in spite of his current location. That's a good place to be. Revivals broke out in Samaria. And God said, and the man that God used to start it, God says, all right, it's time to go. But, but what about those that I've led to Christ? What about those that I've, I, I've invested? What about Simon? God says, no, it's either them or me. Which one are you going to follow? In spite of his current location. Notice his command was obeyed in spite of his intended location. Lord, where are we going? Are we going back to Jerusalem? Am I going to get a preach to Saul and watch him get saved by the grace of God? Am I going to go to the next great city? Am I going to go to the capitalists with a city of 10, 10 cities around each other? Am I going to go there and preach to that great people? And God said, no, you're going to a desert. He said, but I got more in the desert than what you realize. And I say this morning, notice the obedience of Philip. If we're going to follow the Lord, we must walk not just every other step with him, but every step with him we were walking out of the boys dorm cabin uh one day going down to eat and i can't remember who said it but somebody started calling cadence left 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 right and here's what they said they said preacher that makes absolutely no sense to me i said why they said how do you do that left 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 i said that's not how you do it that's not what it's intended to do. That's not what it was designed to do. Matter of fact, when you hear the left, that isn't when you step off, that's when you step down. And so it's the natural cadence of walking and I'm trying to explain it to them and I can't find the words that I found as I was sitting, this getting together but it's when you step down, that's when, you're, when you hear left, that's when your left foot steps down and then you hit it again, left. And when it's done right, everybody walks in the same step. Everybody's heading in the same direction. Can I say some of us, I think, live our Christian life walking like the young man was, trying our best. We just let God guide our footsteps. Listen to his word. Our foot will hit where it's supposed to hit when it's supposed to hit there. We'll walk in, accord, in the same accord and the same step as God this morning. I remember being at RTC and you could tell the schools that knew what they were doing because it looked like 30 men, 30 young men were just walking as one person. There was no break in it, but then you could see the schools where they hadn't practiced, where nobody taught them. See, we had Gunny Jones. Gunny Jones used to be head drill instructor at Paris Island. Sometimes I think he thought he was still on the island. <laughs> Boy, he, would, he was something else, man. He would rip you apart, get ready for a drill. He'd just tear us down. Then he'd holler, y'all be quiet, let's pray. But man, he could call that cadence. And, I, and I, he, Sometimes he would call it, it didn't make no sense. He wouldn't make no words. with it. He did, I didn't know what he was saying. But you'd just watch us step in step. March from wherever we were to where we were going. Can I say this morning, when me and you obey God, we listen to his word, we follow his commands, we'll begin to walk step in step with him. Notice number one, the obedience of Philip. Let me ask you this morning, have you been obedient to all that God has asked you to do today, this week? Next week, have you been obedient to God's command since your good experience? Where well, you sat in the glory in the presence of God. That's one we see the obedience of Philip, but notice also number two the description of the eunuch. The description of the eunuch. Why did God put Philip in the desert? It wasn't so he could learn about the climate, it wasn't so he could learn about the wildlife, it wasn't so he could learn. What a cactus looked like, we often think about that, but it's actually not what it looks like over there. But notice here this morning, why did God put Philip in the desert? Because there was a eunuch in the desert. Notice this this morning, this Philip, this eunuch, look at verse number 27, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, or the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all his treasure had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Here's the thing, I don't think Philip knew that about him. Philip might have known that he was a eunuch. He might have known that he had some kind of authority because of his chariot. But he probably didn't know everything about this eunuch. And we look at the eunuch and say, man, he's got it going on. He's a man of great authority. He's a man who's got a chariot in donkey days. He's got to be doing good for himself. He's got to have it all together. He's got to have a great life until you begin to study what a eunuch was, what they had to go through. History tells us the process to become a eunuch wasn't a pleasant one. And it's not one that I'm going into great detail this morning. But there was a thing that had to take place in order for a man to become a eunuch. It was a painful experience. Notice this. When we sit down, you realize this eunuch's been scarred by the world. The world said, oh yes, you can have all the treasure of the queen Yes, you can have a great chariot. Yes, you can ride from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem in a a comfortable chariot ride. But we're going to have to take something from you first. We're going to have to remove something from you so you can't have full success. Notice here this morning, it's a man who's been scarred by the world. And I'll try to put in the best terms I can this morning in order to be a eunuch. You had to have the ability to reproduce to be removed from you. Had to be taken from you. We're living in a generation nowadays where Bible days it was done where they were men, older. We're living in a generation that's trying to do it to our children. We're watching it and it breaks our hearts to see that. Whatever happened to the days where God made you uniquely you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God makes no mistakes. I'm thankful I was raised in a generation that when I was a kid, my mama let me be a kid. Oh, I did dumb things all the time. But she never tried to change me in that sense. Notice here this morning, he's been scarred by the world. People have gone to great lengths to be accepted, to lose their true identity of who they are. And who God made them to be, they've gone to great lengths to be accepted by the world, just to be rejected. Here's the thing: this man must have been smart with money. He must have been accountable. He must have been honorable and a man of integrity that the queen allowed him to get so close and to possess so much. And yet the world still didn't trust him. He said we have to take this thing from you. He's been scarred by the world, but notice this: even with all that, he hasn't found real satisfaction. He hasn't found real satisfaction. He has the whole treasure of Queen, uh, Queen Candace at his disposal, the Queen of Ethiopia. Yet he finds himself in Jerusalem trying to worship. What are you trying to say, to preacher? All that gold he had at his disposal, all that authority that he had, all that power that he had, all of that recognition that he had, all the comfort that he had wasn't enough to completely satisfy him. And maybe he's heard about this man named Jesus who has been crucified, who has supposedly risen again, who is now ascended to the Father. Maybe he's heard about the day of Pentecost where there's thousands upon thousands getting saved and hearing uh, those disciples preaching their own language. He's heard about all this and he looks at all the gold of Ethiopia. He looks at all of his power in Ethiopia. He looks at his position and says, it's great, it's wonderful, but there's still something missing. And so he makes his way to Jerusalem to worship He makes his way to Jerusalem to find that which he's missing. Well, I wonder how many come in on Sunday morning. They go through the routine. They play the part. They they sound right. They do right in all aspects. And they they come and they try to find what they're missing. They try to do what they think is right. They try to have it all figured out just to realize they missed the most important part. Verse number twenty-eight says he even tried to read the Bible. Verse number twenty-eight was returning and sitting in his chariot, read as Isaiah, the prophet. I don't know if Peter preached on it. I don't know if it was John, Bartholomew. It might have been Philip. Who knows? Someone must have said, "You need to go and read the word of God." And this eunuch said, "That sounds right." So he tried, and he said, "It don't make no sense." This makes absolutely no sense. The Bible says natural man comprehendeth not the things of God. He's trying his best to figure it out. He knows what they say, what they've experienced. He knows what they're preaching about. He even has the book they're preaching out of. He says this doesn't make sense. I can see with a puzzled look on his face saying, what does all this mean? He's been scarred by the world. He has no real satisfaction but he's trying his best to find it. Let me ask you this morning, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Are you looking for more? Do you have it all figured out yet? Preacher, I've been coming to church. I've been trying to read my Bible. I've been trying to pray, Preacher, but I feel like there's something missing. I feel like I don't have what everybody else was, had when they were singing earlier. I don't feel like I had everything. I don't, I don't have what you had when you were testifying earlier, Preacher. Preacher, why you like that? Because I have complete satisfaction this morning. Amen. And it's not because I know everything the Bible says. It's not because I just go to church. It's not because I preach this morning. It's because I know him. Amen. And I have a personal relationship with him this morning. Notice there was the description of the eunuch. And notice number three, there was the discernment of Philip. There was a the discernment of Philip. Verse number 29, in the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself. To his this chariot. Notice this, there was a pinpoint. There was a pinpointing of discernment in verses 29 and 30. It went from the general area of the desert to a specific man. Can I say this more? Why why does God let us go through certain valleys and certain trials? Because there's somebody there that either needs to hear about him, be reminded that he's real, or just there's but there's going to be somebody in that place. And at that moment. When God calls you to the desert, when God calls you to the valley, when God calls you to the storm, when God calls you to what you fill in the blank, there's going to be somebody there. I challenge you to read your Bible every time they went through something, there was always somebody there. Mark chapter number four, they go through the greatest storm of their life. Jesus gets them through safely. Mark chapter five, and they land in the land of the Gadarenes. There's a man who's lost his mind, whose storm never seems to end. And yet here come the disciples saying, We know one that can calm the storm. Notice here this morning, he was, there's a pinpoint discernment. It went from the desert to Philip, him, in the chariot. That's who you're supposed to go speak to. When it was made known, look, it says Philip wasted no time. Verse number 30, and Philip ran thither to him. You ever try to run down a chariot? <laughs> you ever try to run down a car? <laughs> yeah, Philip had some power behind him. He run down, he chases this man down. Enough so that he could hear him reading the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> but notice this, verse number 31. Excuse me, verse number 30. He hears him reading it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand thou understand thou what thou readest. Do you understand what you're reading? See, modern day church, we'd see somebody reading their Bible and say, Oh, you're doing wonderful. And it's a good thing to read your Bible this morning. It's a great thing to read your Bible, but do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? See, that's the thing. The Bible isn't just a a good book to read. It's a personal book to apply. If there's no understanding what the Scriptures say, there can be no application of the Word of God this morning. And so Philip didn't say, good job. Way to read your Bible. He said, do you understand what it says? Do you understand what it says There's a simple reply, verse number 31. He said, how can I? He said, how can I understand what it says except some man should guide me? He said, I've been reading it and reading it. It's just not comprehended. I wish somebody that knew what it says and knew who wrote it and knew what they were talking about would come to me and tell me what it says. Philip said, well, I just happen to know just happen to know not just what it says, but I happen to know who wrote it. i spent some time with them. But notice this there was a simple reply, not by myself, somebody needs to teach me. Can I say discipleship and teaching are crucial. Absolutely crucial this morning. We we think about the kids' song. Read your Bible and pray every day. And you'll what? Grow, grow, grow. Sounds great, but there's a whole lot more to it. It's not just reading, but it's applying. And how do they learn how to apply? Through teaching and discipleship. We sell, them so, we sell the next generation so short we say, just read your Bible and everything will be okay. No, you need to learn to read and apply. Pray, pray, pray in faith, believing. So don't just tell them to read their Bible, teach them how to read their Bible. These young men that are gonna preach tonight, none of them came up to me and said, preacher, God has called me to preach. But, through the avenue of what they're about to do, they're going to learn how to apply the word of God. Some of them, some of them, yeah, some of them got some growing to do. Some of them dropped the hammer on us with conviction when they simply just told us what the Bible said and how to apply it. Notice this, the simple reply in the message preached. Look at verse number 32. The place of the scripture which he read was this, and he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb dumb before the shearers So he opened not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his his generation? For his life is taken from there. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, dying for our sins. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speakest the prophet? Is it of himself? Or is it another man? And Philip said, oh, it's another man. Isaiah wasn't talking about himself. Isaiah wasn't doing inward inflection. Isaiah lived a persecuted life. Isaiah experienced humiliation at the, at, the, at the hands and the words of his own people, but Isaiah wasn't talking about himself. Philip said he's talking about Jesus. Look well, what the Bible says right there in verse number 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. He didn't open his Bible, he opened his mouth. It means he knew the scripture. And he preached to him Jesus. Can I say the best sermon you'll ever preach is Jesus? The best testimony you'll ever give is Jesus. The best thing you'll ever get to do and tell others about is Jesus. And so Philip just preaches Jesus to this man for I don't know how long, but the Bible says he, he starts there and he just begins to preach to this man Jesus. So much so they've made it down the road a little bit. They, they've made it down the road a little bit. But notice, talk about divine appointment. He preached Jesus. Not how bad it was to be a eunuch. Not, not the political makeup of the current situation they were living in. Not a, 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 a televangelist message. Man's got means, right? Oh, Mr. Eunuch, if you'd give me a thousand gold coins. I can tell you what Isaiah was saying. If you would just sow a seed into my ministry. In the next 30 minutes, we'll send you a hanky that's been anointed by my sweat. No, he just preached Jesus to them. I was about Miss Joni the other week. A lady raised her hand and needed to be saved by the grace of God. I looked around. I said, well, Miss Joni's it. I said, Miss Joni, can you go back with this lady and tell her how to get saved by the grace of God? She came back in and she said, preacher, I was so nervous. I didn't know what to do and what to tell him." so I just took her down the Romans road. I said, you You did right. <laughs> you did right. He showed her how she could be saved. She got saved, and I think that's how it works. And we thank God for it. Let me ask you this morning. Can you discern the direction the Lord wants you to go? Do you have enough discernment to go? And notice number four this morning. We see the decision of the eunuch. Philip preaches to him in his invitation time. He didn't tell him to bow his head and close his eyes, but or he gave him an invitation. But notice how this plays out. The eunuch had a want. Look at verse number 36. They're traveling, they went on their way and they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. And what doth hinder me to be baptized? He had a want. He said, Philip, I want to be baptized. I I know that's what y'all Christians do. I I know that's what Jesus had done to him in the the Jordan River. I know that's what John was doing out in the wilderness. You've taught that to me. You've showed that to me. You've preached that to me. I want to be baptized. I said, there's a lot of people that have great wants. I want my family back together. I want my life back together. I want to have joy. I want to have peace. I want to join the church. I want to sing. I want want to do all. I want to serve in the church. Those are great wants. But salvation is a need. (laughs) He said, I want to be baptized, Philip. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Verse number 37 Philip said, You don't have the right clothes on. (laughs) I forgot to heat the baptistry. I'm sorry. Look at verse number 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, Amen. thou mayest. He said, Oh yes, you want to do that. That's a great want to have. But there's a greater need here. You need the Lord first. Amen. We're taught here throughout the scriptures, here in other places of scriptures, that baptism is a wonderful thing. It's a great sign of obedience. But it's not a means of salvation. Here, the eunuch looks at him, says, I want to be baptized. Philip said, Yeah, you got to get saved first. Now, that's in the, 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 the original Greek right there. You need to get saved first. Those what it said in verse, and he said, and thou with all thy heart, thou mayest. Notice the, the confession of the eunuch in verse number 38 or 37. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. <laughs> Simple, ain't it? Yeah. I don't read anywhere there he was crying. Well, he had goosebumps where they sang the 17th verse of Amazing Grace? Philip just said, hey, you got to get saved. He said, okay, Lord, you're God. I believe you did everything you said you did. I believe you everything. In essence, when he was saying that, that's what he was saying. I believe you did everything you said you did. And I believe that you did it for me. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is this, he began a personal relationship with the Lord. See, old Simon tried to follow Philip all around. God said, go to the desert. I don't see where Simon was anywhere in the desert. Philip leaves this eunuch to the Lord. The eunuch gets saved by the grace of God. Verse number 39, Philip just disappears. Gone. The caught away. He just disappeared. I can see. <laughs> well, that's good preaching if you think about it. <laughs> you know, you can tell him thank you. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. Thank you for preaching to me. He opens up his eyes, and Philip is gone. When they come out of the water after he's been baptized, he's gone. Just disappears. He said, Where'd you go, Philip? He said, Philip may not be here, but the Lord is. (laughs) He said, Jesus is still with me. He began a personal relationship because I think if Philip had stayed, he would have leaned on Philip too much instead of the Lord. I love being your preacher. I love praying for you. I would say I love smelling stinky boys, but I, I don't. I suffer for Jesus sometimes. I love being a pastor. I love preaching to you. I love helping out any way I can. But I'm not your God. I'm not your God. Every prayer request you give me, you can pray for yourself. You don't have to wait for the preacher to preach for God to speak to you through his word. Have a personal relationship with the Lord. Because one day, I'm going to be called away. <laughs> one day you're going to turn around and say, I wish I could have told him thank you. I wish I could have said all of this. It's all right this morning. I know where I'm headed. Amen. I know where I'm going. And if you're saved by the grace, you'll catch up with me in eternity. Amen. But we probably won't even tell each other thank you. We'll just go find Jesus and tell him thank you. Amen. But if I'm your only source of spirituality, you're doing it wrong. Have a personal walk with Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, have you made the same decision the eunuch did? I'll just trust Christ. i put my faith and trust in him this morning. But then notice the dedication of Philip. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter number 21. Verse number 40 says Philip was found. <laughs> they just found him one day. Boom, there he is in Azotus. And he preached in all the cities and he came to Caesarea. And he turned to Acts chapter number 21. Verse number 8. Acts 21, verse number 8. I'm I'm just about done this morning. So in the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip. What's it say next? The evangelist. Philip, the evangelist, which was of the seven, and abode with him. We literally seen Philip lead two people to the Lord on a personal basis. But notice the title that's given to him. Philip, the evangelist. We know of two, but I don't think they were the only two. He did it so often and did it so much. He wasn't one that every now and again participated in evangelism. He was an evangelist. We're out there playing basketball. And yes, if you need to know, your pastor's still undefeated. I'm feeling it, but I'm still undefeated. But I would not categorize myself a basketball player. I'll play basketball every now and again. But the NBA ain't calling me. And I say, hey, we've seen what you did at camp. <laughs> I play basketball every now and again. But I'm not a basketball player. Let me ask you this morning. Are you one who just participates in evangelism, sharing the gospel? Or could you be like Philip this morning, an evangelist? That's just what he was known for. That's who he was. That's what he did consistently day in and day out. I don't want to be one who just does it for now and again. I want it to categorize my life, to summarize my life. He didn't just evangelize one. He became an evangelist for why he was dedicated to it. He was dedicated to it. We see the dedication of Philip, the decision of the eunuch. We've seen all that this morning. And I'd have to say, man, it's good. I'm glad God has more. Has more for us to do this morning. Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. As they're coming to make